Blue Wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Rebuild. I'm Henry Ettinger, coming to you just a couple days ahead of the NFL draft. Just going solo here for the open, and then we're going to have Jake Burns on from OBR to get all of his thoughts uh, ahead of Thursday night. But just a couple of thoughts I wanted to share with the listeners ahead of this draft going solo here. Number one, I keep seeing the Browns mocked to take a linebacker at 26. I just don't see that happening. To me, it doesn't make sense with the philosophy of of this front office. They're an analytics-driven front office. They're not going to value linebacker that highly. This scheme doesn't make sense to draft a linebacker that highly. And so for all you guys who who are sending me mock drafts of the national guys, Peter King, Daniel Jeremino, with a linebacker in it, I just – I'm sorry, I could be wrong, and maybe those guys are right. They they may have inside sourcing that I don't. I just don't see how that's going to be uh, the pick for the Browns. What I do think they're going to do is take either an edge player or a corner. I think that Browns fans would prefer a corner, given that that's the, probably the most pressing need on this team, and I think I would prefer a corner too. However, I don't think any of the corners in this draft are worth trading up for the more I've thought about it. Greg Newsom, it would be the obvious target because he's probably the one corner that will still be available in the early 20s where the Browns might have an opportunity to go up and get him. But I think he's got it. I think he's going to be develop into a good corner, but the availability just scares me. The Browns already have issues with Denzel Ward, with Brady Williams missing games. And so I don't think you could take a risk trading up for a guy that also has those concerns because then he might not solve your problem, right? The whole reason to draft a corner is to avoid playing those guys that we saw on the field last season, the MJ Stewart's, the Robert Jackson's. Oh, you want to avoid having somebody like that on the field. That's the idea of taking a corner, right? Build the depth. But if he's not available and if Grady Williams isn't available, all of a sudden you're right back to that point anyway. So I just, don't think it's worth reaching for. If he falls into the Browns' lap at 26, I will be ecstatic. I'm a Greg Newsom fan. I rooted for him a ton at Northwestern. I would love for all of that to happen. But I don't want to sacrifice future capital. I don't want to sacrifice a a draft pick later on in this draft because I think it's a deep draft, and I think there are going to be plenty of corner options. I've talked about my love for Tyson Campbell, of course, but I think there are a bunch of different guys that would fit in with this Browns roster in rounds two, three, and four. And on top of that, I I think there are some edge guys that would work with this team at at 26. So maybe one of those guys falls. I think for me, number one would be Jalen Phillips. I know the medicals are concerning, but to me, he's could be the real deal opposite miles Garrett. He he's a top 10 talent that could be at the Browns at 26. Probably next is Ojolari. I'm a little concerned uh, about Ojolari's size uh, for sure, but I think he could be a fit with the Browns and ultimately if he was the pick at 26, definitely would be on board with that. And then there are some other guys. I know, you know, they're my co-host Jordan's a fan of Rousseau and, and there are some other edge options out there. Quiddy pays, you know, if he falls could be an option for the Browns, but most likely to me corner is the interesting pivot point. If the Browns don't move up and one of those guys doesn't fall to them, which is how I feel like it's going to go then to me, the move is really to trade back. It's to trade back into this early second round and maybe try to get another mid-round pick where you can 
get in on the sweepstakes of these corners and the edge guys, maybe multiple bites at the apple at one of those positions. Because to me, that's more intriguing than just pinpointing one guy. Because if that guy doesn't work out, you're not really solving the problem. And, and of course, uh, the Browns will want to you know stick to their board and all of that. But I think if recent history and really all the history tells us anything, it's that we never really know who the best guys are. And, and when you've got a need like corner, I think taking multiple swings at it is not a bad idea. And so that would be really my preferred thing for the Browns to do is to trade back. I do want them to get a receiver as well. I know some people have talked about some of the, the receivers going to them in the late first round, maybe if they trade back into the early second, but to me, the receiver is a, a late day two, day three kind of issue. I don't think this team needs it. And I think they do need to add multiple secondary players and an edge guy. So as, to me, I would love to see them wait and, and take one of the guys we, we've raved about on this podcast. You know, Diami Brown, I think would be a really interesting player on this team. He He's probably a second round type of guy, but Brown, Brown's not the only one. Kate Johnson, Josh Palmer, Island Wallace, and going back to that podcast with Chris Trapasso, Trapasso in February, he loves Tyson Wallace. So, so many different ways that it could go at receiver. I just don't think a pick at the top of the draft is the way it needs to go for the Browns. So, to me, a, a successful draft is going to address corner and address edge in the first couple picks. And whether that be on Thursday night or whether that be all on Friday, I'm okay with either of those options. If the Browns trade up, I'm not going to hammer it. I just don't think it's very likely. I don't think this is the type of front office that's going to move up. I, you know, They're an analytics-focused front office, and I don't think they're going to overdraft either. That has never been the MO of an Andrew Berry type You know, to really overpay in a free agency, to, to really reach on a guy that, that people said, oh, no, no, he's not going to go anywhere near here. So I have... Uh, the, the faith in them that they're going to stick by their guns and stick by their board. And so I hope you guys out there do too. And then, as I said, we're going to talk all about this draft once it's done for sure. There's going to be plenty of content coming your way the next couple of weeks. However, still more draft to talk. And I wanted to get frequent guest of this show, Jake Burns. I wanted to get his thoughts on it ahead of Thursday night. So here is that interview with Jake. I'm Henry Ettinger, joined by a very special guest ahead of the draft. You will recognize him from his previous appearances on the pod and also from his work at OBR. It's Jake Burns back on the show. Jake, are you talking about draft prospects in your sleep yet? Because I feel like I might be getting to that point. <laughs> um, yeah, I listen, I'm I'm tired of thinking about linebackers. I'm tired of thinking about what Andrew Barry's thinking about. I need to, I need to break it. You know me. I'm a I'm a breakdown what happens kind of person. So I need to see the uh, the things that happen, and then I'll break it down and feel a little bit more in my element. For sure, for sure. I you know that's typically why we have you on the show. You are are certainly the master of film. And for me, this year, this has been the year that I I've gotten into film a lot more ahead of the draft process, just because. Well, frankly, on the podcast, I wanted to cover it in a little bit more of an analytical way. Uh, some of my other previous jobs haven't necessarily required that, despite the team being involved. And so this is one year where I've really gotten the opportunity to kind of decide how I was going to cover this draft. And, and I very much liked that. And, and so it's been a treat, but I've been checking out your stuff a, a ton ahead of this uh, as well, trying to see how you 
you know, break things down. And you brought up linebackers. You said you're sick of talking about linebackers, but Jake, I have got to start here because, uh, because I tweeted out this today after seeing another mock draft that had the Browns taking a, a linebacker. It was Peter Kings today. I think Daniel Jeremiah had him, um, basically has had us taking a linebacker the whole time. Chris Trapasso back in February came on the spot and had us taking a linebacker. And I said, Chris, you know, it just doesn't seem like Andrew Berry's MO to take a linebacker here. They've talked about how they want to play five, six DBs on the field. I'm just not seeing it. And yet, and yet, Jake, every national analyst seems to have the Browns taking a linebacker. So am I crazy here or am I, I, I see like the, to me, that's such a small percentage chance of that happening, but everybody who is following this at a national level seems to, to have that opinion. So, so where do you fall on linebackers in this draft of the Browns? I mean, I was just on a show earlier where somebody's going to be laughably wrong. I think we think from those who follow the Browns, we think that we have an idea that Andrew Barry is, is just not into taking, spending, investing big money or early draft capital on the position. Listen, I think Zayvon Collins, J- Jameen Davis, I, I, I think, you know, and I don't consider Jeremiah Wusukoromoa a linebacker personally. I think there's way more to his game than traditional linebacker duties. But like of the true linebackers, and I would throw in Nick Bolton as a potential round two guy from Missouri, like, I just don't think they value that position enough. And I don't, I think even if they think they get a good player at that position, he's not going to impact winning enough to matter for an early investment uh, in a draft. So, you know, I, I, I'm not here to say I'm smarter than Chris Trapasso or I'm smarter than, than, than Peter King or Daniel Jeremiah. I just, from the evidence I have of looking at all of these different angles, I, I just don't think that they're going to, spend that kind of money on that that position and and they take us listen Zayvon Jamin those guys they can help you can find a role for them they can help but but they uh you know they they I just I'll believe it when I see it uh, that's what I'm that's where I'm at I'll, the same with some of the age of these prospects who get older like if they're 23 they probably have not shown history that they would draft an older prospect but when they do it then I'll start to believe that they'll bend on some of those guardrails so I don't think they'll do it. I won't sit here and freak out and call them idiots if they do it, but I just don't think they will. Like you said, I, I watched Saban Collins tape. I, I watched Jamin Davis tape. I like those guys as prospects, but the track record just isn't there from this front office at all to make you think that. And, and with the style they want to play, you know, taking out the fact that, that linebackers as a whole have been devalued, it just doesn't seem like, you know, based on Joe Woods' press conference where he said they, that they want to play with, with six DBs and four rushers, it's just nothing to me lines up that, that the Browns are going to take linebackers. So it, interesting that, that you feel the same way. And I know you guys ha- have your sources there with the team where I don't. So I'm looking at these national guys. I'm like, okay, I get that like some of these guys are getting this as sourced information, but I just, I don't see how that's the case. You brought up an interesting name, though, and that's Jeremiah Owasu-Koromoa out of Notre Dame. You said you don't see him as a traditional linebacker. He is actually one of the few prospects linked to the Browns that we haven't discussed a ton on this podcast, and I know I've seen him in a couple of your tweets and things like that. So give me your thoughts on on him as a player and, and how he doesn't fit that traditional mold. Well, he does. He does a lot of coverage things at a high level. I think he He's able to uh, adapt to playing the edge in slot. Um, I'm trying to think like, 
the best way to put it. He's like what people thought Isaiah Simmons could be, um, mm. but he's proven to be able to do that at the college level. A lot of what Isaiah Simmons was doing was forward moving things in college. He was most effective, um, most effective playing forward in, in passing situations, darting through gaps. And while, while Coromo can do that, I see a player who's more used to playing in space. I see a player who is more used to covering athletic players. And I see a guy who can do curl flat and can chase sideline to sideline and play outside the hashes comfortably. And that's not something I thought Isaiah Simmons could do. Now Simmons is a, is a rare size speed guy at six, four, two thirty, or a little less and could run like a deer. And he did so at the combine. Now Obusu Kormoa didn't run his 40 due to a little nagging injury, but like you watch the tape, you see a guy who closes is a big hitter. He does a ton of stuff to me that is more than your traditional lineup. at will inside the tackle box, do those run fits, do your, your, your traditional drop. No, he, he can play in space laterally. He can run forward and play uh, against wide receivers who catch the football in space with comfort. Like to me, he can do, he can do more of those things uh, and with a proven track record. So while Isaiah Simmons was a guy with the Cardinals last year who figured it out kind of late, started to come on, I think you can have more flexibility and do more of the things that people wanted to see Simmons doing. You can do those with JOK. So I'm pretty excited about what he could do in a defense. So I don't see him as just a traditional player. There's more to it than that with him. He can do what nickel safeties do. He can do what a will linebacker will do. And he can also rush the passer from depth as well. He's definitely a prospect I've looked into really only in the last week or so. As I said, we haven't talked about him much on this podcast because, frankly, I didn't think he was going to be a realistic option for the Browns. But it, it does seem like the buzz is growing a little bit there. I am seeing his name in some mocks. And so I, he's a player I could get behind. But I feel like some of the some of the logic I've seen there is, oh, well, the Browns, and I've seen this a lot on Twitter the last couple of days, and I just can't get behind it, is, oh, the, this Browns team doesn't have a lot of needs. So JOK can fit in, you know, with his team and is kind of, you know, a luxury asset because he's a Swiss Army knight mm-hmm. in, in a, in a mm-hmm. way. And, and while I think on tape you see those things from him, I disagree with the notion that this Browns team doesn't have needs. In fact, I think that both outside corner and edge are still pretty significant needs in fact for this team in this draft and so where do you fall in terms of of that question of whether or not the browns have needs and what are the the top needs in your eyes you know for this team coming out of this draft the only position that i would label as a need is outside corner because you know i think they like greedy i think that they're okay with it and they like the Troy Hill has outside experience earlier in his Rams career all the way up until last year. I think Troy had, had played outside corner for most of his career until last year when yep. Nikel Roby Coleman left the Rams. He moved inside and thrived. Um, but, you know, you're an injury to Greedy away, who guy who missed all of last year. You're, you're, then you have to take Troy Hill, play him outside. And then at that point, you start talking about MJ Stewart and Robert Jackson again, those types of guys. You don't want to be in that situation. You need more skilled players. Now, I don't think the free agent market is closed. They'll do the best they can in the draft and they won't overextend themselves, but they will, you know, if they miss out on maybe a corner that they trust, they could go get Steven Nelson, Brian Poole, Richard Sherman. There's a, there's a ton of guys out there that they could work something out with for a year or so. Uh, but yeah, corner to me is a need. They have to get better at that spot. Does that mean you overdraft somebody? 
I don't think they'll do that. I don't think they'll reach beyond what's maybe a, a normal reach uh, to an, you know, without a fit at the position in terms of value, but like uh, they need, they need corner help as a status quo sits. They need corner help. Troy Hill's a great signing, uh, but it's not enough. They need, they need to either draft two guys that they think can play or they need to uh, go out and sign another guy. But that's the only position I would say that they need to come away with things. If they didn't get an edge rusher, I would be okay for a year. I'd like a guy, but if they didn't get an edge rusher, I still think they'd be fine with status quo and Port Augustine as their fourth guy. Uh, but I would like them to add because they don't have anything for the foreseeable future as a young piece next to Miles Garrett. So there's fun guys out there. Quiddy Pay, Aziz Ojolari. I love Peyton Turner from Houston. Uh, Joe Tryon, there's a ton of names in the sweet spot of like 26 to 59. There's a ton of, ton of names. So, um, you know, it, but, but it's just, it's just going to be what they think is the right fit. Like the three positions I keep coming back to, and really there's a fourth because I think safety is a little less on solid ground than people think. Uh, I would like to see them come out with a couple corners. I would love to see them find the right fit at, uh, at edge. Uh, um, I would definitely like to see them grab a wide receiver and I would like to see them be in play for safety. Uh, there's a ton of nice rounds, three through six safeties that I think are out there too. So, um, you know, safety, Grant Delpit, you're going to ease him back in slowly. Ronnie Stan, or Ronnie Harrison is in the last year of his rookie deal. So he's got a lot to prove. Like there's, you know, there's still, although they have some skill there, there's still some uncertainty. So uh, we'll see. I, th those are four positions. And then I would throw in maybe if they find the right fit, somebody like a Milton Williams or a Tommy Togiai as a, as a defensive oh, yeah. tackle at the right spot too. So Aline McNeil, kid from NC State. There's a lot of names in there. The, this draft is, I'll, I'll say it right now, like this draft is going to be known for quarterbacks, but I think when we go back and look at this draft in five years, it's the middle rounds. It's, it's like, to me, and Henry, this is a big theory I have on this draft that I've come to a realization lately. Like pick 25 to 50 are like, largely the same because there's a lot of risk in all of these guys because so many of them didn't play last year or there were weird seasons last year or we don't have a ton of the medical information we need on guys or some guys didn't do stuff at their pro day and didn't get a chance to do it that there's no combine like there's so many gaps and we're still getting trickled in medical data that the, that has been a very very uh forward information piece from the nfl that teams don't still have like the full comprehensive medical data on some players. So I just think if you can find a way to get as many picks in the 26 to 50 or 60 range, the better shape you can be in, because I think we might look back on this draft and it's going to be a weird anomaly season where that you look back on it and it's like, man, there were a lot of really good picks in that second and third round range. So I'm as if, listen, I, I do all these mock drafts and these things follow algorithms and players get picked that you wouldn't necessarily expect to get picked. And, I do, uh, I do take a lot of pride in doing a 32 user mock draft because I think that is really like a good way to judge what everybody thinks, you know, you're not mm -hmm. just the, the simulators picking a random thing sometimes, but like the first round, the first round I got, I was lucky enough that Greg Newsom fell uh, to me at 26. So I think, I, I think Greg Newsom's a great pick from Northwestern. Uh, the, you know, teams that I fear if we're talking about that, I'm kind of out in the weeds here. I apologize, man. But I just like the Chicago Bears, Colts, Titans run 20 to 22 are really that interesting run of of teams needing a corner. So I was happy with Greg Newsom there. But in round two, there's really like all of the guys that people kind of pegged to Cleveland are gone. Like all of them. Like I'm, I'm looking at like maybe Milton Williams, Milton Williams, who I like, but I like him yeah. more 
89-91, but it, everybody's taken the players that everyone thinks. Like Joseph Asai is gone. Diami Brown is gone. Jamin Davis, Avon Collins, Asante, all of them are gone. So it's going to be like, those are good players though, is what I'm getting at. Like that, that, that range of 25 to 60, that's a good range of players, man. So I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be at all bummed if the Browns thought we should try to get maybe another second in there, top 60 pick, maybe a two or three the following year. And, Mm -hmm. and we have more comprehensive data. So it's just an interesting draft, man. It's going to be crazy, I think. Way different than what the public perceives is going to happen. I think so, too. And yet, so much good stuff there. So let's, let's talk about corner, because I think you brought up an interesting point, right? Troy Hill, it, even on, on Brad Ward's podcast here, that's also part of Blue Wire, said he, he likes the slot the most. And, and so outside corner is that, that obvious need, right? And so let's start there, because you mentioned Greg Newsom falling to you at 26. There have been many reports, or not reports, but a lot of speculation that the Browns could potentially move up into that kind of early 20 range like you talked about to make sure they get one of those corners. I'm actually of the mindset that I wouldn't mind them moving back because, like you said, if you can pick up an extra pick, I like a lot of those guys in the early second round. I think there's some great edge guys there. I think there are some great corner options as well that that'll be off the board early in the second round so i'm actually of that mindset How do you like i'll read i'll read these to you henry these are second round picks so if you yeah. traded to like jacksonville at 33 maybe jacksonville gets trevor lawrence a pick 25 in this draft they took jeremiah wusu koromoa right before me yeah so maybe they say okay we want to tackle let's go up and get 26 cleveland trades to 33 pick 33 is trevon merrick hell of a player tcu safety would love him here are guys yeah. that go after Gregory Rousseau, be fine with him. Elijah Molden, great slot player. Uh, Creed Humphrey, the best center in the draft. Jabril Cox, a great linebacker. Santi Samuel, Jamin Davis, Zayvon Collins, Joe Tryon, Javon Holland, Kadarius Tony, Diami Brown, Joseph Asai. Those are all after, all the way down to 51, Peyton Turner's picked. Um, two picks before me at 56. Uh, the guy with the Ravens hasn't made his pick yet. Then I'll pick at 59. But like, Eric Stokes is another good corner that just went from Georgia. So that yeah. you're, you get what I'm saying. Like that, that 25 to 60 range is like, I I'm okay with one of those guys. I don't need to go get like a Micah Parsons. I could feel like I could do something with those guys. You know what I'm saying? So sure. um, it's interesting. It's just going to be such a fun draft and maybe, maybe a draft where we look back and say, man, that Friday night, there was a ton of talent picked in rounds two and three. That, that's how I feel about this draft. And, and so to me, the Browns basically have – I focus on the first three rounds mostly just because, frankly, beyond that, there are so many players that, that the fans listening to the show probably don't know and that I'm not going to have the time to watch. So I, I'm focused on those first three rounds because I feel like I can have some solid opinions about those guys. And for me, the Browns basically have a couple options. Uh, you know, Starting in the first round, they can either trade back or and get more draft capital, which is, to me – what I think would be a, a great situation for them to do, they can stay at 26 if one of their guys falls to them at corner or at edge. And for me, edge is also a need for exactly what you said earlier. There's no long-term answer there. I know the Browns love Tack McKinley for some reason, but there's no long-term answer. And, and to me, there are a bunch of edge guys that are worth taking a swing on here. They're, to me, some of them are pretty high-risk, high-reward guys. But mm-hmm. I, I think that's the kind of risk you take at this point if you're the Browns, if you are looking for that long-term need. So to me, option two, they sit at 26 if one of those corners or, or DNs falls to them that they like. And then option three is trading up, which I'm the least in favor of just because of exactly what you said. 
to me, there's so many, so much talent uh, across this draft. I, I just don't see the need to sacrifice any future capital, whether that be picks from next year's draft, whether that be picks later on in this draft in the middle rounds. I don't want to get rid of any of those. So I, I think the Browns should just hang tight. And I'm guessing one of those guys falls to them. But hey, if Greg Newsom goes in the early 20s, if JOK is gone, okay, it, for me, it, uh, there's going to be somebody there or, or you can move back and, and be just as successful in this draft. Yeah, yeah I listen, I don't, I have gotten to the point where I was, I would only probably trade up if JC Horn fell into the 19 range, because like mm -hmm. I said, the bears are picked 20, the Colts, and then the Titans have nobody at corner. They're going to be defeated at corner unless they figure something out. Those are three teams that will make a run at corner. The only guy I would be interested in moving up for at that point would be JC Horn, but even JC Horn falling past like Las Vegas at pick 17 seems crazy to me. So otherwise it's like a draft. I just don't want to move up. I just think that'd be silly. And even though people are like, well, the Browns have nine picks. I tweeted out earlier. They have seven picks and even calling it seven picks is a stretch. Cause like picks 132 and 169 are still very wild card for your roster type guys. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, picks, picks 211 and two, 257 in a singular year. Like you're getting the 211th best player in a draft. It's hard to see that guy making your roster. Sometimes they can be Donovan Peoples-Jones, but, you know, there'll be a, a the, what, I forget the corner's name that they took in the center. You know, it'll be a Damian Ratley type. Like they just, yeah. they're just not going to be players for you. So, you know, like you have seven real picks in this draft, in my opinion. And I don't see any reason why you, you wouldn't try to improve if that means you swap, like you, you let somebody come up from, from 33 to 26 and you get an extra fourth and you move your pick 89 up to pick 64 like that to me is a smart move. Like that to me makes sense. So I hope they're, listen, money says the percentages say that the most likely thing that they will do is either pick a guy or trade down. And, and I even think trading down is way more on the table than we, we expect. So I have kind of gotten to this, to the point where I'm okay with trading down to the point that I might almost prefer it. So in, in many, in many of the, of the mock drafts you're talking about trading down for me is the play. And that's just because of exactly the range you talked about those guys, 20 through 22, I have a feeling is where the Browns would have to move into to potentially get a guy like Greg Newsom. And I, look, I went to Northwestern, so I've seen every single Greg Newsom snap of his career, every single one. And I love his game but he's also got some significant durability questions which i feel like sometimes sure. fans lose in the draft process because they're like oh it's just durability but whatever but trust me when you're actually uh, have the guy on your team and you want him to play and he's not out there that that does you know take its toll and browns fans obviously know that uh, from their their current situation with pretty williams and, and denzel ward and those guys so to me it's like okay i don't really want to have to trade up for a guy like that and I think that there's a very high probability that the best edge guys and the best corners are gone and you could get a comparable one, you know, by trading back. And so that's why so many times I look at the mock draft and I'm like, well, I wish the Browns would just trade back here. I don't, they don't need to, you know, they don't need to reach to take a linebacker or take a safety or anything like that. I, I'm totally fine with them trading back. One, one other thing I did want to touch on as well. You mentioned receiver. And I, early on in this process, said I don't really think wide receiver is a pressing need for the Browns. And I, and I say that for two reasons. Number one, this team likes to be in heavy personnel so much that I feel like the value of a receiver is just not that high, especially, you know, with Odell Beckham coming back. And then secondly, I, there are just so many good receivers in the draft every year. 
I just don't see the need to press and take one high because even in this draft, uh, and my co-host Jordan was making fun of me because he was like, oh, you said the Browns don't need a receiver, but then you're talking about all these mid-round receivers that you really like. And I'm like, yeah, see, that's my point is there are so many guys that I'm like, I could see him working. Deami Brown, uh, Kay Johnson, Josh Palmer, all these guys I turn on and they're mid-round picks. And I'm like, is there a huge difference between these guys and somebody the Browns would be taking around earlier? I, I don't see it. And, and obviously those, uh, those players have some different skill sets there that I just named, but there are so many different guys. That I'm like, I could see him working uh, with the Browns. And so I, I'm absolutely in for them to take a receiver. I just don't need it to be that high because there are so many guys to me in this class. And, and I feel like every year these days that that can play and can fit in the right system. Yeah. It's pick your flavor. I mean, it's, it's, we can have opinions on these guys, which it's, you know, it's, what we talk about for months and months and months but you know if I think Rashad Bateman's a first round player but the Browns don't then you know my opinion doesn't mean shit like you know for lack of a better word there sorry but like you know it is it is what it is like I just they have to value the player so for example if you're talking around one early player like Bateman you would presume that they would only make that decision if the corners they were most interested in are on the are off the board maybe the edge players Ojolari Quiddy Payer off the board, Jalen Phillips, they don't like his medical. Um, and then, you know, if JOK goes a couple picks before him, they sit on the phone at 26, they don't get a trade offer they think is worth it. Okay, should we just take this player, Bateman, who we have a first round grade on because we have no better option? And that's okay. Like he's a first round grade for you, then fine. You know, that I'm, I'm fine with, like you said, there's a myriad of wide receivers I'm more than cool with. You guys, you mentioned there, Elijah Moore is my guy. Like I'm fine with, there's a bunch of guys. I just want them to not reach. And I want them to make sure they understand that their defense has more pressing issues than their offense. But I would not be like offended if they took a receiver relatively early, as long as you still then attack those other positions with players after. The good part of this, Henry, is they have, positions they need are middle round thick in this draft it worked out last year that what mm -hmm. they really needed was a tackle and it was a tackle heavy class early yep it's working out this year that corner edge to an extent interior defensive line it's not a good class in general but the, there's some intriguing guys in the middle Milton and then wide receiver like yeah 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 like wide receiver is they're 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 rounds two through four deep so you can get some guys so you know, what I want them to do is get the guys that they, however they do it, if they trade back a little bit, they, they collect some, 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 some picks, like go get the guys that, you know, that you really want within reason and get the positions you need. So, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, maybe I suck at doing this. I don't know, man, but like, I'm not going to tell them not to take a wide receiver early if they want, want the guy that's there. If say Devontae Smith somehow falls, like, okay, they might really like him. They have a high first round grade on him. Take him. So I won't be upset. They need it in the future. There's several positions, though, they need for the future, like we've talked about on here. So um, listen, I, you're right. You're right. It's a deep class. And I wouldn't be offended if they took Bateman in the first round or if they took Tylen Wallace in the fourth round or Anthony Schwartz in the sixth round. Like, uh, there's, a, there's a bunch of guys that I'd be fine with. I'm like the guy who likes to hear why you did it. I want to hear your scouts talk to the press. We liked this trait, that trait, that trait. We see him fitting in here. Usually they're pretty generous with giving us that insight. So I'll be fascinated to see how they attack it. I just, I'm just optimistic because 
the positions that they need, like I said, are positions that they are pretty deep at in this draft, like in the middle rounds. So they have a real chance to go get it. I, I would love them to get one of these great, the, the, the top tier corners, but it's not, it's not a desperate situation if they don't, you know, there's uh fate to Melifonu, Paulson, Adebo, Tyson Campbell, Eric Stokes. Uh, it goes on and on uh, guys. They can get in the second and third. So um, it's a weird draft. It's going to be one that we got to look down the line and have a conversation about a couple of years from now. Don't over, I would tell people don't overreact to what happens on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, because even as fans, we don't know, man. And more so than usual, we don't know because of all of the weirdness surrounding football this past year and a half. So um, yeah, I'm with you though. Wide receiver, go get one where you think it fits. Don't reach for a guy. So yeah, I'm with you. For sure. And as you said, this is going to be a fascinating draft. I can't wait. There are so many different ways that it could play out for the Browns. But ultimately, you know, as you said, something that I've learned from going through the last couple of draft processes is, frankly, none of us really know. And that's the whole point. I mean, the analytics would argue that, in fact, even the guys in the NFL really don't know. And so that's the (laughs) biggest thing is I can't wait to see how it goes. And of course, we're going to talk about it. We all want to form our own opinions. And that's what makes this fun. But also at the end of the day, as you said, I think the key is to not overreact in the moment, because even if they pick a guy that you're not a a fan of, who knows? And and so as long as there's a process behind it that we can understand, that we can discuss, to me, that's where it gets really exciting is analyzing. And that's why I can't wait for these picks to be made is analyzing how they they fit in with this roster as well. So I keep saying that you these guys have given us no reason not to trust them. Stefanski, Barry, his guys. You trust them until you don't trust them. And right now I trust what they're doing. I trust what their process is. They've been very data-driven, but balancing it with the right football decision. So I trust them until I don't trust them. And I have no reason not to trust them right now. So give me your reason for doing it. Let's see how it shakes out, man. hundred percent. It's uh, it's finally a front office that we have uh, pretty, pretty much uh, the utmost faith in at, at this point. So Jake, I appreciate you so much for coming on uh, this was great stuff and you know once thankfully here in a few days this will all be over and we'll actually have some guys to uh <laughs> to talk about in, in more detail to, to really review in depth and i know you'll be breaking down film and doing all that stuff uh, on twitter and on obr and all that so appreciate you for coming on and uh, can't wait to check out your stuff once it's all over my pleasure my friend big fan of yours thanks for having me on all right and that was jake burns on this episode of the rebuilds going over all his draft thoughts bunch of great stuff there from jake i'm glad he agrees that linebacker is not gonna be the browns pick i just don't see it as i said three possibilities for me they trade up for the corner of their choice and maybe an edge guy but but likely a corner of their choice they stay put and take the best edge or, or corner that falls to them or What I think is not being discussed enough is the opportunity to trade back. There are tons of edge and corner guys in that early second round that might not fall to the Browns at 59, but could be a very intriguing option for this team. So those are my final thoughts ahead of the draft. Browns fans can't wait for Thursday night. Absolutely cannot wait. This should be so exciting. There are so many intriguing players for the Browns to take a look at in rounds one through four at all of those positions, edge, corner, receiver, safety, anything. The possibilities are endless. So we will be back on this feed to discuss 
all of that and more. My co-host Jordan is working for ESPN Cleveland on, on Thursday and Friday night covering the draft. So we're going to actually record our podcast on Sunday, do a whole mega recap of all three rounds. I might pop on for a, a short reaction recording if something crazy happens in the meantime, but Jordan's got to work. And so I wanted to wait for him and take it all in. Once we have all the picks in, which I feel like is a better way really to assess it anyway. It's tough to assess the draft in an incomplete manner. So that'll be when the next recording is. If you guys haven't reached out and left a review to win your own Coors Light six-pack ahead of the draft, please do so. If you've already left a review, reach out to me on Twitter. I will get back to you. We've had a couple people do it so far and win free Coors Light. So if you're listening to this, big opportunity to get some free beer ahead of the draft this weekend. Until then, Browns fans, appreciate you for taking a listen to this one. We'll have you covered once the draft is all wrapped up. But until next time, two words for you. Oh, Browns.